Welcome to CareCast, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life with Roland Warren, CareNet's President and CEO, and Vincent DeCaro, CareNet's Chief Outreach Officer. CareCast and more pro-abundant life commentary from CareNet can be found at care-net.org, where you can watch videos, download eBooks, and subscribe to the Abundant Life blog. Now let's listen in on what Roland and Vince have for us this week on CareCast. Roland, we're back for yet another episode of CareCast. Uh, this is becoming a habit here. Yes, it is a habit. A good habit. <laughs> a good habit. A good habit. Yeah. They, what take, are they? I think it's 28 days. 28. I've heard 21, but it could be 28. Well, how many podcasts does it take to, for it to be a habit? <laughs> and have oh. we reached that yet? Uh, you know, I think we, we, we've gotten in and out of the habit uh-huh. of recording this bo- podcast, but we, I think we're back in the habit. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying in terms of how many podcasts we've recorded. Oh, gosh. It's been... We're probably around 200 episodes, I would imagine. So we have a habit. What is that? Four times? No. <laughs> my math. We've formed times. almost eight, ten habits. Yeah. T- yeah. In, in that time. Yeah, we have. Yeah. We have. So yeah. I hope people notice that. I, I hope so, too. That yeah. This, we're... And, and hopefully they have a habit of listening. <laughs> it's true. That, yeah. To our podcast. You have to listen to our podcast for 21 straight days to form a habit. So. <laughs> yes. Sorry about that. It's, uh, <laughs> but, you know, you do what you got to do, right? Well, you um, do. <laughs> so we are hopefully in the habit of producing good podcasts and- this is a really interesting one, Ron, that we're going to talk about today. Um, we have been noticing a new trend, a new conversation yeah. mm-hmm. happening in the pro-choice movement. Now, you know, we've become so accustomed, right, to yeah. calling it the pro-choice movement. And we have lots of stuff in other podcasts about why we actually choose to call it call pro-choice people pro-choice instead of yeah. pro-abortion. There's yeah. some, I think, debate about that among pro-life people. You know, we should be calling them pro-abortion and, you know, all that stuff. But so... Look at our website. You'll find some other things that we've talked about on that. But we we, we call them pro-choice. Because that's what they call themselves. Right. They, that's what they call themselves. I call you Vince because? I call myself Vince, right? Yes. Yeah. And so we call them pro-choice for that reason and also because we want to make sure that they are held accountable for both sides of that, right? Right. Life and abortion. So if you call them pro-abortion, then you don't have to hold them accountable for what happens when the woman actually chooses to have the baby. And we want to make sure that pro-choice and pro-life people are making sure that we're taking care of women, families, babies when they actually are born, right? So that's a very short version of that. But so, you know, we just, we've just we just become so accustomed, right, to saying pro-choice. But apparently the pro-choice movement is starting to have issues with calling themselves pro-choice. Yeah. Interesting, right? And there's, there's actually two terms that are actually emerging out of this, and we can talk about them both. One is that they're moving away from the word choice to the word decision. Right. Right? From what I can gather, Robert, As if decision does not include choice. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think it's purely just a language and perception issue. Mm. I think the, the, the feeling I, I'm gathering among the pro-choice folks is that that term has started to get some bad connotations around it. Yeah. That it maybe trivializes things that, you know, because you see this stuff, it's a child, not a choice. And, and I think in, in light of what's happening with some of the Supreme Court decisions and other other trends in the culture around— we call it the Supreme Court choices. Right, the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I, now I'm confused. We say choice or decision, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think they might feel as though they are losing maybe in the court of public opinion, and maybe this term choice is part of the reason that they're losing. So they're trying to look for another word that maybe doesn't have all those negative connotations associated with it. So decision has is emerging. What do you think about that? Yeah, and, and we—, we... We found that a number of different places. One place was, I guess, was the pro-choice caucus, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting because it's the pro-choice caucus basically saying that we shouldn't say choice, we should say decision. They sent, apparently sent out some some talking points right. to um, Senate and congressional pro-choice people that, that they should not call themselves pro-choice. 
So these, right. these words came from the pro-choice caucus mm-hmm. that you should not call yourself pro-choice. Interesting. Yes. When are they going to rename themselves, <laughs> right? I guess the pro- It's just- The de- pro-decision. I don't know yeah, how they're going to do it's with just, that. But, it, yeah. It's really, you know, you, you, ha- you scratch your head mm-hmm. and shake your head simultaneously, which is, which is a challenging uh, thing to do. Mm. But yeah, I, I think that um, there certainly is a perspective out there that, that they need to rebrand, if mm. you will, which is really interesting because they spent, you know, 40 years- you know, branding my body, my choice. Right. And actually, when the Supreme Court, uh, when that, when the um, Dobbs decision was, I guess, leaked, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and senators and congressmen, you know, they're kind of going into the chambers and they're saying, "My decision, my choice." Um, mm-hmm. And the members of the pro-choice caucus are saying, "My decision, my choice." So mm-hmm. there really is, there really is this change. I think from our standpoint, you know, if they want to change to, you know. Pro decision, it doesn't change anything. No, um, because if you say, "Okay, I'm pro decision," you know, I'm not pro choice. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what decisions does a woman have mm-hmm. when she's facing an unplanned pregnancy? Mm-hmm. You still get to exactly the same place. Yeah. So yeah. whether you say choice or decision, you get to exactly to the same place. True. She has two decisions. Right. Fine, right. two choices. Fine. Right. I think people think those words are interchangeable, right? Right. And. And the two decisions that she can make is one is to bring the child into the world. In other words, to give it birth, mm-hmm. right? To birth mm-hmm. the child. Or the other decision is that she can abort. Mm. So I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's sort of like clever by half. I'm not really sure. Even yeah. after I read some of the, the narrative, um, I'm not sure that this yeah. nuance is is really going to resonate with people. It's yeah, like, sure. as they, this old saying, too clever by half. It's right. just, it, 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 it's, it's problematic. Now- one of the things that you know they they've kind of said is like not everyone uh, can get an abortion when they want one, right? Um, that perspective, and I thought that was particularly interesting because at least in the article that we read, it was it was talking about black feminists and feminists of color have pointed out that it isn't the case. Uh, the legal right to choose to have an abortion does not always mean that someone can actually get an abortion, and choice ignores the reality of the this lived reality of these people, right? And decision will not. And and here's the thing for me, I'm sitting there going like, okay, hold on a second. So black women are roughly what six percent of the population, mm-hmm. right? And black women have roughly thirty five percent of the abortions. Right. So what's the number of abortions? What's the percentage, the number of abortions that black women need to have in order to make these folks satisfied? Do black women have to have fifty percent of the abortions? Because what you're basically saying is that Black women are not getting access. Women of color are not getting access. And Hispanic right. women are kind of up there, too, higher right. than white women, right? right? But let's just use black women for now. So black women are like, what, 30 35%? So what's the right? And that's with them, quote, being limited. Right, in their ability. In their ability. Choose. So right. should black women be, what, 50%, 60% of the abortions? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. At what point will it be enough? Yeah. At what point? And then at what point will you say, well, wait a minute. Why are black women getting so many abortions? Right. Because right. as I've just said often, that when there is an abortion decision, mm-hmm. when there is an abortion decision, what you're essentially saying is that no good can come from this child mm-hmm. by bringing this mm-hmm. child into the world. Yeah. And so if society co-signs the fact that and is fine and supports the fact that black women abort their children, my people, I'm black, mm-hmm. abort our children mm-hmm. at a much higher rate than the rest, then basically society is basically saying that on average, mm-hmm. that a black child coming into the world, mm-hmm. no good can come from it right. relative to a white child, Hispanic child, right. an Asian yeah. child or whatever. I am super uncomfortable with that perspective. And I'll, by right. the way, 
that perspective is probably the same one that you would find with, you know, white supremacists or the KKK. They'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm co-signing that. Yeah, right. So it, to me, it's sort of it's challenging yeah, to me that yeah. you as a black sure. feminist or whatever mm-hmm. would be kind of pushing so that the the percentage of black women who have abortions is even higher as opposed to pushing back and saying, well, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm. We have such a high percentage of our of our women that are having abortions. Maybe we should try to understand what is going. What's the why behind right. that? And Frederica Matthews Green, yeah. a great pro life writer, has a yeah. really good illustration that she shares about animals in an yeah. animal sanctuary. Yeah, if uh, a female, you know, um, mother, you know, mothers, and you know, in an animal sanctuary, were killing their own children. You would start to ask yourself, why Why are they doing this? Yeah, Rather you, than just sort of making it easier for them to kill their own children, you would say, "What are the What's the environment that is causing yes, them to have to do exactly. this so often?" Because so, it's not natural, right? right? So if you're in right. a game preserve or something like that, and tigers are killing their 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 newborns, yeah. I mean, you'd see that on the history on the what mm-hmm. the Nature Channel or something, and you, mm-hmm. we're in this nature preserve, and these you know animals are the, they're killed. We'd be in there. Scientists would be in there. Biologists, everybody. Right. Like, wait a minute, they're why? Because they, you believe that lion life is precious or tiger life right. is precious. Life in general. Yeah, is it's precious. precious right? And my gosh. And it's unnatural for a mother mm-hmm. to kill their child. Mm-hmm. So you would start looking at environmental factors mm-hmm. to say, what can we do to mitigate that? Well, let, let's give black folks at least, yeah, <laughs> at the, least the, same dignity, right. the dignity that we would give to, you know, some dodo birds or something. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. So, so it's a really problematic yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. That, again, so... You know, to kind of kind of close up from where we were, it's just, I don't know that this shift from choice to decision really. Yeah, makes yeah, and, a big and difference. interestingly, the, the the group that you quoted before, Planned Parenthood Advocacy Fund of Massachusetts, yeah. they actually want to move away from pro-choice into pro-abortion. Yeah, because again, they they want to sort of destigmatize the word abortion because this avoidance of talking about abortion they feel has stigmatized that word, um, and you know, we need to just kind of use that word unashamedly. Because there's nothing wrong with abortion. And so why are we trying to hide behind terms like choice? Well, let's just say pro-abortion. Yeah. So it's interesting that that's, you know, sort of no. that was not the mentality that caused the term pro-choice to be created in the first place, right? The term pro-choice was created to actually avoid having to talk about abortion. But now things are kind of coming full circle and they're like, wait a second, we shouldn't be ashamed to talk about abortion. Let's scrap pro-choice and just say pro-abortion. So just really interesting things going yeah. on over there. Over there, I'm not like it's like, yeah. it's like a physical occasion. But um, no, but that was definitely the yeah. case. I mean, that's why NARAL went to you know NARAL, pro-choice America. So what are they going to do, right? And, and yeah, because it was the National Abortion, abortion Rights, Rights League or yes, something like yeah, that, yeah. right? So it's where abortion like, was in there, and they just yeah, like KFC getting rid of Kentucky Fried Chicken because you wanted at the time when people were kind of concerned about fried food. You, right. You kind yep. of shift from that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it is just an odd thing. But, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, being unstable in all your ways. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so when you're not operating on the side of truth, when you're not operating on the side of, of justice and mercy and righteousness, you are unstable in all your ways. So you can try to repackage and rename. Right. You know, and, and we don't have to do that because what we're supporting is life. Right. There's no confusion there, right? There's no confusion. We want we want children to have an opportunity for life. And and that's a perspective that, that we share. And so there there's no confusion. We don't have to be double minded in all our ways, uh, double speak in any mm-hmm. ways, change our language in any way, shape, mm-hmm. or form in that context. Right. We're talking about life and, 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 and children having abundant life. And, yeah. and their mothers having abundant life and their fathers having abundant life. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is consistent with God's design and consistent with John ten ten. Yeah. So 
I think that's a great, great way to end it, uh, kind of affirming why we call ourselves what we call ourselves, right? Amen. So, yeah. amen. All right. Thank you, Rollin. We hope you enjoyed this episode of CareCast. For more Pro Abundant Life commentary and practical resources, please visit care-net.org. There you can subscribe to the Abundant Life blog, giving you access to videos, ebooks, podcasts, and other resources to help turn your pro-life passion into pro-abundant life action. Until next time, we pray that God blesses you and yours daily.